Hello, everyone, and welcome to the 67th episode of the Always Drive podcast, your weekly look at the latest news of from the car, truck, and motorcycle industries, where we take everything but ourselves seriously. I'm your host, Devlin Riggs, and I welcome you to your new release night for the Always Drive podcast. Uh, after staying up late nearly every Thursday night for the past year and a half, I'm switching things up a bit and moving the release date for future episodes to come out on Sunday night or Monday morning. This will give me the weekend to offer some more time to develop longer format stories, uh, deep dives, uh, maybe even some interviews and feature stories. Uh, plus, it's a more natural conclusion for a week's worth of news, and it gives you listeners something for your Monday morning commutes, not to mention giving me a few hours of sleep back every Friday morning. Uh, so I'm back from vacation in Montreal and Quebec City, which were both lovely, um, whereas Quebec City feels very European because of its walled-in old town and uh, tight little street area. Uh, Montreal felt very modern, a lot a lot uh, better organized Boston, I guess, uh, with its mix of historical and new buildings. It, it felt very livable. Um, of course, I haven't visited in the depths of winter, so maybe my opinion uh, would change in that regard pretty quickly. Um, but despite it being uh, French Canada up there and uh, as close to Europe as you can get in North America, as everyone says, uh, the car culture seemed still very North American. <laughs> Uh, sitting in the public squares, you'd see douchebags rolling around in straight-piped V6 Camaro convertibles on 22-inch wheels revving at every stoplight and trying to draw as much attention as possible with their neon undercarriage. Um, outside the city, you'd see jacked-up pickup trucks equipped with whatever the French phrase for rolling coal is. Um, often I find it neat to go to other places, other other areas of the world, and get a feeling for what other cultures' relationships are with cars. But I guess in Montreal, it was sort of comforting to see how similar it was, despite how different other aspects of their culture is. And I read a story recently about how cars divide us, and it was broadly in terms of, of rich and poor, but for every way in which they separate us. I think there are aspects of car ownership and driving that, that unite us, and, and that was my big automotive takeaway from Canada. Um, also, that a rental car reservation means absolutely nothing, but that's a, that's a story, for, story for another day. Here is your top story. Amid a sea of suits, Sergio Marchione donned a sweater. The CEO of Fiat Chrysler Automobiles was never much for convention, and his attire conveyed that, but so did his style of running a company. After taking over a Fiat company bleeding cash and nursing it back to profitability in the following year, Sergio had developed a taste for fixing things. In 2014, following the complete buyout of Chrysler shares by Fiat, Sergio went to work again, trimming the fat at the company left to rot by Cerberus Capital Management and making some unprecedented moves that caused ripples throughout the automotive world. He killed off cars at Chrysler, leaving only the 300, then cranked up the power knob to 11 on Dodge vehicles. He took Jeep from a brand reserved for off-road enthusiasts, or at least those wanting to look like such, and developed into a global powerhouse driving profitability to aid in development of other brands and gave us arguably the best Wrangler ever in the new JL model. 
and he brought back Alfa Romeo to western shores. It wasn't all sunshine and rainbows for Sergio, though. As I constantly remind listeners, Fiat Chrysler vehicles continue to be among the most unreliable in the world, with poor initial and long-term quality, using old, inefficient engines which were sometimes found to cheat diesel emission rules. And apart from the Chrysler Pacifica Hybrid, which Waymo absolutely loves, and the Fiat 500e, which Sergio himself advised people not to buy because it cost the company $14,000 for every one they sold, Fiat Chrysler lags seriously behind its competitors in electrification. But Sergio was on it. Unveiled recently in the new, their new five-year plan, the company has broad ambitions to grow in profitable areas with new Jeeps, better Fiats and Alphas, and to transform Chrysler into a progressive, mobility-focused enterprise. But after his unfortunate death last week of a cerebral embolism suffered after a, a risky cancer surgery, um, executing that new plan will fall to Sergio's successor a little early than he'd planned. Um, at the helm of executing this plan will be Mike Manley, who has been the head of Jeep uh, since 2009 and has also led Ram. Uh, he'll have the unenviable challenge of following the act of a man who is loved by Wall Street, respected by unions, and revered for his candor. He'll have to decide if, the, if Fiat Chrysler will continue to pursue a potential sale to a larger automaker or forge ahead on their own as well as what partnerships to cement in order to catch up on electrification and autonomy. I mean, he's already got a pretty good start with Google and Waymo. When asked about his successor and how he would leave the company upon his planned retirement next spring, Sergio said, quote, There is no script or instructions. Instructions are institutional and temporary. FCA is a culture of leaders and employees that were born out of adversity and who operate without sheet music, end quote. Sergio danced to his own beat. It's a rhythm that got the heart of Fiat Chrysler pumping after so many failed attempts. And the company and its fans can only hope that Mike Manley keeps up the tempo. Just a few months ago, my wife's Ford Fusion Energy was recalled because the bolt holding the steering wheel on was just a little too short and could cause the wheel to come off in her hands while she was driving. Uh, this was after a complete transmission replacement, which followed an airbag recall, which followed a battery system replacement. And, well, I can think you understand why we're looking at new cars for her. Uh, join me now in my living room as I break the news of another recall to her. Hi, honey. Hi. I'm uh, sorry to interrupt this episode of uh, Baby Ballroom. Um, I think you'll recall the last time I aired a segment from our living room. Do uh -huh. you remember what that was about? Yeah. Uh, it was about a short steering wheel bolt. Yeah. So, when you go to park your car mm -hmm. and you shift it into park. Yep. Would you say that it's important for you, for your car, to remain in park? <laughs> yeah, I'd say it's essential. And it always has. Okay. And yeah. if your car were not to remain in park, uh -huh. that would be pretty bad. Yeah, that would be bad. 
even though the car would tell you it's in park uh-huh. and it continues rolling, yeah. that's just a, an undesired That would be feature. undesirable, yeah. Can you turn it off? or I Turn will, the will car off? Let you turn the car off? No, or? it'll let you turn the car off. Oh, yeah. okay, just it won't For all intents park. and purposes, the car understands that it is in park, but despite not being yeah. necessarily in park. Right, the most important part. Yes, yeah. arguably. Uh-huh. It might be more important that the car... Be in park, but not know that it's in park. Yeah. Rather than what is currently possible <laughs> due to failing transmission suspe- or uh, transmission control bushings. Okay. So, five hundred and fifty thousand cars are being recalled. Uh huh. And I believe yours is one of them. Okay. Uh, and owners are being advised to use their parking brakes oh. when they stop and park well, their that's car. That's handy. Just in case, right? Ford's quality catches up with them again. R- right. Yes. Well, luckily, I haven't had that bolt fixed yet. Oh, okay. So I. Thought I you had had that. In no, that. I had not, and so that means I can uh, just do a two for one. That's true. Yeah. You know, it's a bonus by waiting uh-huh. until you know disaster. No, you can, it's not well, a disaster. Yeah. Nothing's happened. Not yet. And yeah. actually, with this recall, nothing has happened. No cars have rolled away. Okay. But... Well, that's good. Yes. It's apparently severe enough to issue a recall, though, but not I, just so a I, TSB. I get new bushings then. That's true. It's great. New transmission bushings in your new transmission. To go with my new transmission. To go with the check engine light for the transmission sensor. That turned itself off. Oh, did it? Just a couple days ago. Yeah. Okay. It stayed on for about two days and then it turned itself off. Okay. Well, we'll see if that continues that rate of success. Yeah. 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 Okay. Well. Good talk. Yeah. Good talk. Yeah. Back to baby ballroom. (laughs) Maybe someday I'll bring you good news. Oh, I have a feeling that day will be when she buys a new car. Um, If you haven't seen a show called The IT Crowd, go watch it. It's on Netflix, and it's one of the best British comedy shows in a long, long time. Uh, One of my favorite scenes from the show is when the boss, Denim Renham, has decided that stress is the silent killer, and he's going to root it out of the company by submitting everyone to a stress test and firing anyone who fails it. Take a listen. You understand this is your last chance. If the needle goes beyond here, you will be fired. Does that make you feel stressed? Jen, does it? No, are you sure? 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 See this balloon, Jen? I gotta burst it. But I'm not gonna tell you when. Do you feel stressed, Jen? Jen, Jen, look at that. That's your peace of mind. It's gonna go bang. Do you feel stressed now? Jen! 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 Do you? Evidently not. Well done, Jen. You're not being fired by me at this precise moment. This came into my mind this week because... This test is essentially what Donald Trump is doing with the near-daily threats of imposing tariffs on other countries, particularly on automobiles. 
a lot of this we've been over before, like the fact that existing steel and automotive tariffs are horrible for car makers, but they're also horrible for farmers who Trump has just announced will receive $12 billion in stimulus money, meaning the government will have to borrow money from China to pay the farmers who can't sell their crops to China because Trump made Chinese goods more expensive here. Genius plan. Uh, but wait, there's more. According to a report assembled by a bunch of American insurance company coalitions with really long names, uh, imposing import tariffs could cost U.S. consumers $3.4 billion every year just in increased insurance costs. The same Reuters article reporting the insurance data said that car thefts could also rise because of the high demand for inexpensive parts by chop shops. Tire makers even sent a letter to Congress expressing concern that higher vehicle prices will mean vehicles with fewer safety features will stay on the road longer, leading to higher traffic fatalities and increased accidents. It could also mean that we just don't get some vehicles with Peugeot Citroen hoping to return to the U.S. by 2026, but almost certainly not doing that if their cars are going to cost a quarter more than they do in Europe. Jalopnik reports that advisors are fighting with Trump to stop him implementing these tariffs. The Washington Post says the same people are scrambling, but apparently what they should be doing is kissing, and I, I don't mean his ass. Uh, Jean-Claude Juncker, uh, head of the European Commission, visited the White House this week and planted a big fat one on Trump's cheek in a traditional friendly greeting sort of way. And after discussing how the two could be partners and work together, it appears to have worked? Um, on Wednesday, Trump agreed not to impose new tariffs while the U.S. and EU negotiate new trade deals. I hesitate to be too enthusiastic about this because I'm not convinced Trump believes in such a thing as working together instead of outright winning, and because his track record shows he frequently changes his mind as well as sometimes his story, but maybe, just maybe, we can all breathe a little sigh of relief that, at least for now, everything isn't going to get 25% more expensive overnight. Uh, now is not a very happy time to be a Tesla investor. Um, I say this not as a Tesla investor uh, because I simply cannot handle that much drama in my life, uh, but as a marketing and public relations professional who knows that when your CEO goes out and accuses individuals of pedophilia, you're going to get some bad press, um, particularly when that individual has been labeled a hero for helping some poor Thai kids escape from a watery cave. Yes, after British diver Chiang Rai called Elon Musk's custom submarine, which was made without invitation or consultation with the actual rescue operation, unpractical and a PR stunt, Musk lashed out calling him a, quote, pedo guy, uh, saying he would prove the submarine's utility. He has since deleted the Twitter uh, the tweet as well as one doubling down betting another Twitter user a signed dollar bill that it was true. Doesn't anyone notice this? I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. Well, stockholders have noticed it and stocks dropped 3% following the comments and have dropped 16% since last month losing billions from its market value and probably bringing it down to somewhere in the realm of still just ridiculous. Uh, meanwhile, Tesla is paying the German government 
3.2 million euros for some sort of error that led to the company essentially committing fraud and exploiting a loophole in the law, allowing the Model S to qualify for a 4,000 euro electric vehicle subsidy if the price of the car was less than 60,000 euros. Uh, to the company's credit, they're not sticking the customers with the bill, and there appears to have been some confusion as to how all, how all this happened, uh, with some blame being placed on the company, trying to skirt the rules, and with others blaming rogue salespeople. Either way, kudos to the company for taking the hit, but doing right by customers isn't necessarily going to make shareholders happy. Um, then there's Panasonic, who makes the batteries for Tesla's vehicles, had to suspend one of their primary cobalt suppliers after it emerged that some of the materials were coming from Cuba, a company subject to U.S. sanctions, uh, which will undoubtedly not help production. And what about the competition? Well, according to the Wall Street Journal, there are an estimated 487 electric car companies in China alone, so that market may be a little saturated when they uh, finally get their gigafactory open over there. Uh, when BMW announced uh, that they're buying $5 billion worth of batteries from Chinese supplier Contemporary Amperex technology to put in their new electric models, and Honda announced that uh, they're going to start working with Panasonic to develop electric motorcycles with swappable battery packs for Indonesia to help with pollution, not to mention electric motorcycle development. Now, all of this was pretty well summed up in a study by PA Consulting, uh, published in Bloomberg, which found that in 2021, Tesla will lose its lead in the electric vehicle market share to Daimler, followed by BMW, Renault, Nissan, Mitsubishi, Volkswagen, Volvo, and Toyota. Uh, the study focused on manufacturing strategy and technology, supplier networks, partnerships, and, critically, financial performance and culture, both of which Tesla, Tesla significantly lacks. So maybe just go tweet about the good times, Elon, because uh, they may not be long-lasting. After the whole Dieselgate thing, Volkswagen formed Electrify America to be the organizational body that helped distribute the funds from their settlement, which will be manifesting itself as a rich network of electric vehicle charging stations across the country. Now, uh, they've done the same thing north of the border with the establishment of Electrify Canada, uh, which is <laughs> decidedly smaller in scope. The initial plan is to install 32 charging stations near major highways and in metro areas in British Columbia, Alberta, Ontario, and Quebec. Each site will average four chargers and use non-proprietary fast charging tech, meaning any electric vehicle will be able to use them, not just the e-golfs and Porsche Taycans up there. Um, they don't know how much it will cost them or how much it will charge consumers for juicing up, which seem like important details, but then you remember that they're not doing this to make money, they're doing this as a punishment for cheating. Uh, then it sorts to, sort of starts to make a little more sense. Um, when you think of exciting new opportunities posed by autonomous vehicles, you may picture something like the observation car of a train where you are whisked away to an exotic destination without needing to do any driving. Well, Waymo is ramping up its tests in Arizona, where it will begin offering autonomous trips for passengers as long as the exotic location they had in mind was Walmart. 
Uh, if you live in the Phoenix area and don't want to actually walk around inside a Walmart for fear of contracting whatever flesh-eating bacteria make poor people poor, uh, now you can just place an order online, wait at your home for an autonomous Waymo Chrysler Pacifica to come pick you up, head to the store, retrieve your already packaged items, and head back home. The vehicles will be kept by Avis Budget, which will keep them uh, charged and fueled and maybe cleaned if they feel like it. But honestly, Waymo vehicles are driving 25,000 miles autonomously every day, according to a recent report. So Google looks like they're really setting the bar when it comes to self-driving. And if there's one company I would trust to cater to my extreme laziness, but also cost consciousness, it'd be them. Uh, in other mobility news, um, General Motors ex is expanding their Maven automotive rental service to include vehicles owned by private citizens. If you live in Ann Arbor, Chicago, or Detroit, have a 2015 or newer Chevy, Buick, GMC, or Cadillac, you may now list your car as available for rent. Maven will suggest a rental price, but you can decide how much you value your own car, but factor in that you only get 60% of the rental fees. Uh, the rest going to GM's insurance and safety and security plan. Unlike Turo, which is another app uh, and available elsewhere and requires the vehicle's owner to meet the renter and hand over the physical keys, which sounds honestly preferable to me, Maven can automatically unlock and start your car for other renters through OnStar. Uh, for some people who maybe travel a lot or hate their cars or don't have any sort of feeling of connection with them, this could make sense as a way to make some extra cash, which GM, of course, estimates could be quite a lot. Uh, but consider, if you will, that I rented a Chevy Impala and took it on a 30-mile dirt and gravel road and just positively beat the shit out of it to go for a hike in Canada. And while that may not be the case with these cars in Chicago, uh, what is the case is that people do not care about rental cars. And if you choose to take part in this, Please enjoy the mental image that somebody else is farting in your driver's seat and you don't know what they ate. Uh, in creepy mobility news, an Uber and Lyft driver named Jason Gargak here in St. Louis has suddenly lost his ability to be an Uber and Lyft driver after it was revealed that he was simultaneously a prolific Twitch streamer who streamed live the trips he took hundreds of passengers on with most being without the knowledge or consent of the passengers he was hauling. Since Missouri is a stupid, backwards, creepy, one-party consent state, he technically did not need to get his passengers' consent, and there is no real expectation of privacy in a stranger's car, so any legal recourse for his riders may be very hard to come by. But, considering his cameras filmed people talking about intimate matters and the fact that his front-facing camera recorded both pickup and drop-off locations of his passengers, including their houses, um, which was then viewed by his Twitch streamers, which is an incredible violation of trust. Uh, as one writer said when she was found by our local paper here, she said she got in an Uber at 2 a.m. because she was drunk and wanted to be safe and not drive, not because she wanted to be on display to a bunch of skeezy pervs on the Internet. That's, of course, a, you know, paraphrasing. Um, be careful next time you get in a rideshare service because who knows how broad this uh, extra income generation tactic may have caught on. Uh, after having... Uh, six Jeep Grand Cherokee Trackhawks taken from their Detroit plant and then several Ram pickups stolen from the Warren truck plant 
plant just a few months ago. Uh, thieves have struck Fiat Chrysler again, stealing several new Dodge Chargers and a few other vehicles. Uh, while not from a plant or company facility this time, the cars were taken from a lot owned by a transportation company set to deliver the vehicles to dealerships or buyers. Uh, once again, this involved a smashed security gate in the middle of the night, and although security apparently met the thieves, they were unable to stop them. Uh, un also, unlike the previous crime, six of the seven cars have already been recovered, uh, but like the other crimes, no suspects have been identified. So if I were Mike Manley, whose company keeps getting robbed of new cars, I might just swing by HR and have a look through the books, because this is beginning to resemble a trend. Actor, entrepreneur, car collector, and apparent uh, workaholic Mark Wahlberg announced this week that he and a business partner have purchased a Chevy dealership in Columbus, Ohio, which is now named Mark Wahlberg Chevrolet. It's apparently a giant facility with a two-story showroom and huge service bay, and the price was right for Wahlberg, who said in an Instagram video that he was enthusiastic about the opportunity to get into the car business. Uh, which is not a strange thing for celebrities to do when diversifying their income. People won't be famous forever, and, and in fact, this is really Mark's second go-around at being famous, his first being as a rapper. Uh, with the music background and now this car dealership, I'm hoping they can begin offering some special trims on vehicles. Maybe like ripping out the spare wheel well and throwing in a huge booming stereo in the back. Uh, they can call it something like the... Marky Mark and the Funky Trunks package. Waka, 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 waka. Hey, you're a great crowd. Thank you, thank you, and thank you. Hey. Now, it's been a while since them Duke boys paid a visit to Georgia, but folks in Gwinnett County ain't taking no chances when it comes to catching them rabble rousers. In fact, local sheriff Butch Conway, yes, that's his real name, recently plopped down over $70,000 on a new Dodge Challenger SRT Hellcat, yes, the 707-horsepower car, to allegedly be used for undercover and covert ops, as well as the local Beat the Heat program, which challenges car enthusiasts to drag race against police at a local track. Um, apparently, the Department of Justice has discovered that the sheriff is just kind of using the Hellcat as his own personal vehicle, though no mention of ripping sweet burnouts was made. Um, despite approving the pur purchase of the vehicle in the first place, the DOJ is now asking the sheriff's office to pay back the full cost of the car. The county is apparently going to comply by July 31st, and I can't imagine the county residents being too happy that this is what their tax money is going to. But like Butch says, it's a small price to pay for catching them darn Duke boys. One morning last week, I got dressed in the dark so my dear wife could sleep in while I left for work. Uh, later on in the day, I came to the realization that I had put on my boxers inside out, which was a secret I managed to keep hidden from the world until just now, uh, but I am not particularly embarrassed or was I inconvenienced by it. Um, but thank goodness I'm not a Formula E driver, because that could have been a seriously costly error. Uh, just this past week, Jean-Éric Vernier and André Lotterer were fined almost $6,000 and docked a couple of points on their racing licenses when a post-qualifying inspection revealed that both men had worn the incorrect underwear during their laps in their vehicles. Um, this boils down to a safety issue, as their particular undergarments did not meet the required standard for flame resistance, which must be frustrating to have to choose between balls that are either unchafed or not on fire. 
Um, let's all just take a moment to be happy that our jobs do not have underwear inspectors, and then also to be thankful that we are not underwear inspectors ourselves. Now for some new cars. Brand new, brand new, brand new. I don't like it unless it's brand new. You might see me in my well with my Porsche unveiled this week the all-new 2019 Macan, and by all-new I mean mildly refreshed, because unless you look inside where there's a new interior, or around back where there's a long LED strip across the back, uh, the differences are, in classical Porsche style, subtle. Uh, we don't have any numbers for the performance because the engines haven't been tested yet, but there will be a Turbo 4 and a Turbo 6 as the two power options in the U.S., the Macan S, GTS, and Turbo models will all probably share powertrains from Audis because synergy. Um, the most interesting bit about this to me are the new colors, including a pretty bright Miami blue, something called Mamba Green Metallic, and Crayon, whatever that means. Um, I'm excited to see German cars not in silver, white, or black. And yeah, 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 I bought a silver German car. Shut up. Um, in other compact crossover news, the Hyundai Kona has come along and started popping up in places, uh, taking the place of Nissan's outgoing Juke as the quirky alternative choice for buyers who think conventional styling and attractiveness are simply for the birds. Um, but in an effort to kick off sales next year, buyers will have the option to purchase the special Iron Man edition Kona, which follows the rich tradition of the Call of Duty edition Jeep Wrangler, Star Wars Edition Nissan Rogue, and Warner Brothers Edition Chevrolet Venture. Uh, that tradition is, of course, being a mass-market vehicle with little or nothing in common with the co-branding being offered, as shameless pleas to die-hard fanboys and fangirls to come out and buy a car they wouldn't otherwise have considered. Uh, the Iron Man Edition, as you might have guessed, has Iron Man-themed shit all over it, including graphics on the inside and outside, as well as Tony Stark's signature on the dashboard. Lest you forget, Tony Stark is not a real human person, so you would be driving a car with the fake signature of a fake person whose alter ego is a fake superhero, but in your very real car that you have to take clients to lunch in, Austin, or did you forget about that when you traded in your Corolla? Honestly, I, I like the freedom of choice and individuality that these cars give. It just feels especially daft. Um, finally this week, a call to action. Uh, spare a thought, if you will, for the 17 passengers who died this past week on Table Rock Lake here in Missouri uh, when a bad storm capsized their amphibious open-air bus, which we call, for some reason, duck boats. Um, the wreck sounds like it really could have been prevented by the tour company just heeding the thunderstorm warnings and calling off any dangerous outings. Uh, it's a reminder of the trust we place in others every day when we're out on the roads. We're not just driving to work every morning, we're hurtling two-ton hunks of metal and glass around very close to other people who are doing the exact same thing. We owe it to ourselves and our fellow humans uh, to do the right thing and drive safe, whether we're just driving ourselves or we're, if we're piloting a duck boat. Make good decisions and be courteous. Everyone's just trying to get somewhere. So with that, thank you for listening, and thanks to Nicholas Falcon for our intro song. To take us out this week is the sweet sound of the bored out to 4-liter flat 6 powering a Porsche 964, which has been, let's say, lightly tweaked by famous Porsche tuner Singer. Here, friends, is your moment of zen.